Well, we're going to continue in a series, new series that we started last week called Generous Soul. Everybody say Generous Soul. And uh, I spent a good portion of the message last week kind of doing some disclaimers, and I want to touch on those just just a little bit for a moment here. Um, Because you might be, you know, rushing ahead of me and say, well, if he's talking about being generous, he's probably going to talk about giving. And if he's talking about giving, he's probably going to talk about money. And I, I put all that in perspective for you last week. I would really would encourage you to take time to go back and listen to a half-hour message from, from last week and many ways to do that online and so forth. But I want to express to you again my own personal discomfort talking about giving and money and so forth. And let me, let me caution you here too that, well, are you going to be talking about giving and money? Yeah. But it's in the list of some things. It's part of. So don't ever isolate that out because then you're, you're going to end up off base with some things. But am I? Yes. Am I uncomfortable about some of that? Yes, I am. Why? Because I've watched that misrepresented, abused, used wrong. And I don't want to be that guy and I don't want us to be that church. I want this to be pure and I want, I want us to have these understandings of truth in the right way. So while I have personal discomfort with, with talking about some of that, listen to me, I have no discomfort at all talking about the condition of our soul. And matter of fact, I'm fired up to talk about the condition of our soul. So we'll go we'll move past a little bit of discomfort on a few things because you know what? Truth will set us free in this. And, and, uh, we're going to be helped because what we're after is to have a generous Soul it has to do with the soul. Let's, let's start out by looking in Proverbs 11 this morning, verse 24 and 25. It says, there is one who scatters, and that's just not a messy person. That's a farmer's term. It has to do with, with sowing, with spreading seed. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right. Literally, it's they keep what they should give. They hold back what they should plant. But it leads to poverty. The generous soul, that's where we get this, the generous soul. Say it again, generous soul. The generous soul will be made rich. And by rich, that Hebrew word means fat. Well, and I ain't going to be generous. No, no. It's fat and in, in, in it's, a, it's a word picture for us. It's like a baby or calves or uh, uh, fruit or vegetables. You want them to be plump and full and vibrant. And, that, and that's what it's talking about. And again, you'll be off base if you only limit that word to money, okay? So the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Incredible word pictures there. Listen to it in the message paraphrase. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. Those are some incredible promises for us. Now, generosity, you know, it's just better for you. You're even more relaxed if you live life open-handed as opposed to clenched fists. Who are the happier people? Generous or stingy, you know? And and you remember neighbors that were like grumpy and, you know, stingy and, and, and so forth. And then you remember those that were, you know, always happy and helpful. I can remember, you know, you hit your baseball into the wrong yard. I'm not getting it. You'll get it. You know, you know, and then there were others that, you know, 
you hit the ball in their yard and they're going to give you lemonade and cookies, you know? And, and it's like, uh, which person do you want to be? Which, which people do you want to be around? Understand this, the contents, and, the, and this is real key, we're going to build on this, the contents and the condition of your soul determines the quality and the direction of your life. The contents and condition of your soul determines the quality and the direction of your life. Now, now realize this. The soul is so important because you, you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. That soul part of you, that's where you think and where you feel and where you decide. That's pretty important. And so if your soul is free and alive and fresh and blessed and there's hope in there and there's faith in there and there's love in there, there's generosity in there, then guess what? That's going to affect the quality and the direction of your life. But if it's dark, if there's grudges in there, if there's confusion, if there's impurity, if there's, you know, it's, it's confused, it's blurry, it's convoluted. If that's, if that's the condition of the soul, you know, then that's going to affect the quality and the direction of your life. And you might be saying, why do you say soul and do this? Because I don't know, I, I, I'm not sure really where it's at, but I kind of feel it here. You know what I'm saying? Okay, you don't. It's okay. The, the, the scripture even talks about at times it uses the word belly, and other times it uses the word heart. And, it's, and by its meaning, it has to do with the core, the center. And I just kind of feel it here. You know, when you get moved in your soul, you don't, you don't do this. Oh, man. You feel that? Y- y'all with me? And I don't know where it's at. It's in you, though. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body and the contents and condition of your soul determines the quality and the direction of your life. So that's why we've got to talk about the condition of our soul. Generosity is a desirable condition of the soul. Listen to this. If you are generous, if you are generous, it has to do with your soul. If you're generous, it has to do with your soul. Listen, not your circumstances. Let me hit another one. If you're stingy, It has to do with your soul, not your circumstances. See, some people say, well, I'm stingy because of of this. No, 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 no. You're stingy because of something in your soul. Oh, I would be generous if if my circumstances... No, 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 no. It has to do with your soul, not your circumstances. And I'll I'll show you a a biblical example here in a moment. And you you know, you, you see those examples all around you all the time anyway. Let me ask you a couple of rhetorical questions um, this morning, uh, do you know what a rhetorical question is? It's a, it's a question that really it's not meant to be answered. The answer is either very obvious or the answer, uh, forces you to think about something. And I have a couple of those that I want to ask you, but let me set you up with a couple other rhetorical questions. First of all, for example, why is abbreviated such a long word? Or, why is lemon juice made with artificial flavor, but dishwashing liquid contains real lemons? Isn't this making you think? Okay, girls, ladies, if Barbie is so popular, 
Why do you have to buy her friends? Let me just do one more. Why do we never see a headline that says, Psychic wins lottery? All right, enough of that. But I got thousands of them. Here's my questions. Is God generous or stingy? And you know, it doesn't, it doesn't even need to be answered. It ain't God generous. And then one other one for you. Which one does he want you to be generous or stingy? And it's just obvious to us. And what does he want us to be generous about? And don't forget this. T4. You time, help me. Treasure. France and France and anywhere. Right. Time. Talent, treasure, touch. God wants you and I to be generous with our time, with our treasure, our, our talent, and touch. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, the Apostle Paul, Christianity is a new thing. And uh, excuse me one moment. I don't know how I do it, but sometimes I spit on my own glasses. So. <laughs> If you're visiting with us, thank you for staying with us. All right. Um, Christianity is kind of a new thing, and the Apostle Paul is part of establishing that, and he, he takes these missionary journeys to help go preach the gospel, this good news, and to spread it, and churches are springing up all over the place. And Paul is writing in, in uh, 2 Corinthians to the church at Corinth, and he's reminding them of something they committed to do a while back, and that was to be involved in, in what was called the Jerusalem Collection. And what it was was famine relief. Uh, he was raising money, and so in T4 we'll talk about money here for a moment. He was raising money for the Christians that lived in Jerusalem because there had been famine, the infrastructure was horrible, uh, and not enough to handle the surge of population that Jerusalem was enjoying or not enjoying at that moment. And then because Christianity was not just open arms accepted everywhere, there was persecution. And so they were left out of things simply because they were, they were Christians. And so Paul is saying, we've got to help our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. They're in great need. And the thing was, they probably would never even see these believers because it was a thousand miles away from Corinth to Jerusalem, a three-month journey. And so Paul said, we need to do something to, to help them. And a while back, you promised that you would, and now I, I need you to, do, to make good on it, and I need you to be generous on it. But I don't want you, I don't want you to, do I'm, to give and to be generous because I'm telling you to do it. He said, so I wanted to share a few things with you, and I'm going to relate these things to you today to help us to get to a place where we're not doing something because somebody's making us do it or we feel obligated to do it, but because there's something inside of us that is just free and causes us to be generous. And Paul tells him about the church at Macedonia. Macedonia is even further away. It's kind of modern-day Greece, more or less, and they're even further away from Jerusalem. And he said, the Macedonians did this. They gave, and, and follow this on this, they gave generously. Everybody say generously. generously. And, and really it means what it means. They gave a lot. 
Get the second part. They not only gave generously, they gave sacrificially. Say sacrificially. Well, what made it a sacrifice? Because the truth was the Macedonians were probably worse off than the ones they were given to in Jerusalem. They were in such dire straits. They were in such deep need. And they gave sacrificially. But for me, here's the kicker. Paul says not only did they give generously and sacrificially, they gave joyfully. They gave joyfully. Something about that just intrigues me and, and captures me. It's like, what, what is that? What is it that would not only cause people to be generous, but even to be sacrificial and all the while to do so joyfully? So Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 5, he says, here's what happened. They first gave themselves to the Lord. They gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by them. How many of you know that our God is generous? Well, for the rest of you, our God is generous. And when you connect with someone as generous as him, it's going to kind of rub off off on you. Have you ever ever been around negative people? And if you're not careful, you start chiming in, don't you? Well, I'll tell you something worse than that. You know, and, and then... And then we kind of hop in. And so what you're connected to, who you're connected to is important. In the message Bible says this, what explains it? That they gave generously, uh, sacrificially and joyfully. What explains it is that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their life. Now I hope that will mean more for you as, as we go along here today. I believe that generosity is a true sign that you're connected with God. I think it's the expression of a a life connection with such a generous God. And I think that Paul is telling them, I want you to give, but I don't want you to give. and, And I want you to give generously. And I don't want you to give generously just because you have to follow this. If you give because you have to, that's not giving. That's a bill. How many of you get all excited about your mortgage and visa and everything else? Glory to God. This is, this is a blessing. No, no, you're not. Stinkins. Right? So, it's, if you have to give, that's not giving. And if you have to give, how can that truly be generous? I think it breeds even more resentment. And so, it has to do with this. We follow Jesus who gave everything for us. And God who's been so generous to us. I'll ask you again, has God been generous to us? Now I'm asking again, has God been generous to us? And we, especially in in the United States, man, our problems are just big problems. Didn't have enough hot water because you used it all. First world problems. The other people today didn't have clean water at all. Now I'm not saying don't enjoy your water. You should. But you better be grateful the whole time and realize, and that's just one thing. I'll share more with you next week on just how blessed we truly are. I think we can and should be, and I want you to get this phrase, joyfully generous. Joyfully generous, as opposed to what 2 Corinthians 9, 5 calls grudging obligation. So we want to be joyfully generous instead of grudging obligation. So let's find out what causes that to happen. Second Corinthians eight twelve. Y'all still with me? Because yes, I'm watching you. Second Corinthians eight twelve. Paul says this. 
For if there is first a willing mind, everybody say a willing mind. This is the key right here. There's first a willing mind. It, what they give, is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. So understand this. God's never going to ask you to, to be generous with, with what you don't have. Okay? So first, there must be a willing mind. The word willing, and again, we're trying to avoid grudging obligation. We want to have a willing mind. The word willing in the Greek there includes the idea of inclination toward. So there's an inclination towards something. But it goes a little further, and there's some stronger words that kind of trump that, and it is this, consenting and complying toward something. So it's consenting and complying toward something. So if we have a willing mind, this is the beginning. Follow this now. This is real important ground that we're in right here. If we have a willing mind, that's the key. That's the key to joyful generosity as opposed to grudging obligation. So if willing mind is the answer, then an unwilling mind is the problem. What is the unwilling mind then? Well, willing again to consent is to comply towards something. Well, that means that I'm not consenting and I'm not complying towards something. And here's why. Either because I don't know, I don't realize or understand, or I don't like it. So we would be unwilling Y'all, y'all follow me? You'd be unwilling because I don't know. I, it's something I don't know or I don't understand or I don't like. And so in order to deal with this, follow this, the willing mind, the mind, the mind is part of the soul. That's where you think, feel, and decide. And so something has to come to my mind. Something has to be answered in my mind in order for it to be willing and I think there's a big issue that we've got to come to know and we've got to come to embrace. And I'm always nervous to write big words in front of y'all, but here we go. You've got to know the difference between stewardship and ownership. Which one are we? A steward or an owner? We're a steward. You sure? Okay. We're a steward. We're not the owner. And let's, let's dive into this a little bit. This is what we've got to come to know and come to embrace so that we can throw the switch here and then watch what will happen. We'll have a willing mind. Psalm 24, verse 1. Poke your neighbor, make sure they're, they're still with this thing. All right. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth, watch it carefully with me. The earth is the, the Lord's and... And what? Everything. Everything in it. The world and all its people. Help me out. Belong to him. Look at me. It's all God's. I'll tell you then. It's all God's. Including all the people. Are you a people? We... We belong to him. It's all his. It's all his. Let's read another one. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. What? (laughs) 
You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your, your body. It's all God's. Say it with me. It's all God's. You're God's. Your T4 is God's. Your time, your talent, your treasure, your touch, everything about you is, is God's. I'm God's. I belong to God. I don't belong to me. And we get confused about that. It's my stuff and me and it's my life. Making my own way. That explains a lot. It's all God's. Everybody say it's all God's. Um, everybody has stuff. How many of y'all have stuff? I'm going to try it again so y'all maybe misunderstood the question. How many of you have stuff? All right, good. And we're proud of our stuff. How many of you collect something? I mean, everything from motorcycles to butterflies to, to what? Beanie Babies. Y'all remember Beanie Babies? Remember those? We were told, collect those things because one day they're going to be worth a lot of money. Have any of you cashed in on that one? Well, we just kind of partially got involved and I'd travel and pick one up and get my kids some. I remember my, my daughter, we were in Canada and found a really cool one. And, you know, so I bring them home and my wife had this special basket in the corner of the, the living room and she set them all up there. We even got some that were rare and they come in an airtight, hermetically sealed thing. Please tell me I'm not the only one who did this. Okay. And you get them, you have them there. Well, my youngest son, Gabriel, he's almost 14 now. When he was just like little, like two or something. Uh, let me go back to the Beanie Babies. They had this red heart attached to them. And that had to stay attached to them to prove their authenticity. Well, one morning we walk in the living room and he has taken upon himself to de-heart all of, <laughs> all of the... But you've got stuff. How many of you have some stuff? You go, come here, I want to show you my stuff. And when I was a little boy, and I'm still kind of that way, you, you had stuff in your pockets, especially as a boy. You ever seen one of these? You know, right? Am I, uh, boys, are you all with me on this one? All right. And you have your stuff, and you buy your stuff, and you trade your stuff, and you, you paint your stuff, you display your stuff, you dust your stuff. Some of you insure your stuff. Look at me. And then you die. All right, I hate to break your heart, but then, then your stuff, it's going to be somebody else's stuff. And they're not going to love your stuff like you love your stuff. There's going to be some things that were so important and you tell your kids, stay away from that, don't touch that. It's my stuff. But later on, after you're gone, it's going to be on a table at a yard sale. 50 cents, take the whole box. Get that stuff out of here. Am I right? It's stuff. And we're so proud because we think we're a owner. And you should take good care of your stuff and enjoy your stuff and all that, but don't get confused. Don't com get confused. He's the owner. We're the steward because eventually it's all going to be given away. Or it's going to rot. Well, let me keep going. In First Chronicles 29, King David, God speaks to him, says, I want to build a temple. 
I want to build a temple for my presence on the earth. And there's going to be no temple like it. And David's excited about it. And he said, but David, you don't get to build it. But I want you to raise the money for it. So David could have half-heartedly, you know, done that. But we find David being joyfully generous. And the Bible says in 1 Chronicles 29.2 that he gave all his might, gave his resources. The amount that he gave, money, gold, silver, supplies, and so forth, is the equivalent of billions. I couldn't track this down anywhere else, and so I left it out, but I'm going to tell third service. One place I read said today it would be the equivalent of $17 billion that he gave. And so I would call that generous. You say, yeah, but he was the king. He was rich. He was generous. Hold on, hold on. That has nothing to do with it because you and I both know some rich people that are not generous. Okay? It's a condition of the soul. And David got it. And David got it because he understood something. David understood the difference between stewardship and ownership. Let's look in 1 Chronicles 29, 11, and 12. David, King David says this. Yours, Lord, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything. Say it, everything. Everything in heaven and earth is what? It's yours. Get this part that King David says. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. Who said it? King David said yours is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler over all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. David had it sorted out who was the owner and who was the steward. Now, get this. Everything belongs to God. Everybody say this. Everything belongs to God. It's all God's. It's all God's. Everything belongs to God. Get this. Everything comes from God. Say that with me. Everything comes from God. And thirdly, everything is dispersed by God. Say that. Everything is dispersed by God. So every, it, it, it's all his. It belongs to him. It comes from him. It's dispersed by him. And listen to me. And that's not always equal. And understand that. It's not always equal. I'll illustrate. Pastor, head on. Would you, would you help me? It's not always equal. Look how much taller I am than this guy. (laughs) Wait, though. Do you see all that hair, though? How fair is that? I'd give up a few inches. Thanks for helping. Hey, listen. It's not always equal, but everything belongs to him. Everything comes from him. Everything is dispersed by him. I am a steward, not an owner. You are. Get this. You are a steward, not an owner. Everybody is a steward. You might not be a good one, but you are one. We all are a steward. And that is to handle, to manage something that belongs to somebody else. Who does it belong to? What belongs to God? My time, my talent, my treasure, my touch, everything. Everything is his. Heaven and earth, all the people in it, it's all God's. It's all God's. Everything in my life, it's all God's. My de-hearted beanie beanie babies, all God's. And here's what you do. Here's what you do. You ask him, it belongs to you. I'm a steward. 
You've entrusted me to manage it. What do you want done with this? Can you imagine if you went to a financial planner, a money manager, and you you took in money and you went in? The question should be from them, from a money manager, steward. The question should be, what are your goals? What do you want to see happen with this? And you'd say, well, I want to be able to retire at a certain level. You know, I've got kids going to college or, or we want to do this or this project or whatever it would be. And so they should ask, the manager, the steward should say, what are your goals? You, you, you know you're in trouble if you take it in to the money manager and they start, all right. Because my wife's been wanting new living room furniture and I promised her a cruise. So we're so glad you're with us today. No, no. But you know what? God puts things in our life and we run off right away like, I got it. And we think we're an owner. You're not an owner. You're a steward. Will God bless your life? Will God let you have some things, do some things? Of course, it is his good pleasure, Scripture says, to do that. But we've got to live a life as a steward and not as an owner. Are you all with me on this? You've got to say, Lord, what do you want to see happen with my time, with my talent, with my treasure, with my touch, with everything? What do you want to happen with this? Because the problem in life is the confusion over these things. We end up grudgingly, uh, grudging obligation because we think we're an owner. I, I can't let that go. That's mine. If I give it away, I won't have it. Because when you are the owner, you cut out the source. And, and he's your source and it frees you up. You can live and give without fear when you understand it's all his. And what do you want me to do with what you've entrusted me with? That's when your life changes. If you're generous, it has to do with your soul, not your circumstances. If you're stingy, it has to do with your soul, not your circumstances. And this is what we've got to know and what we've got to embrace in our soul so that we have a willing mind, so that we can have joyful generosity in our life. And it's, it's this fact that it's all his. It's all his. I'm just a steward. Your question daily, and follow me as I, as I close now. Your question daily should, or your conversation daily should be this. God, it's all yours. I'm all yours. Everything you've entrusted me with is yours. Show me today. Prompt me today. What do you want done with it? And it will start to show up in your life. If you don't ask him, if you don't pay attention to that, you're going to miss it. But as you go throughout your day, your time, your talent, your treasure, your touch, you're going you're gonna to feel a prompting by God. Hear, hear me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're going to feel a prompting by God. Go help that person. Go check on them. Somebody come to mind. I, I need to call them. I need, I need, I need to check on them. Uh, helping with a door, smiling at somebody, saying something kind to somebody when everybody else is, is being mean. I, I've been at the, at, the, at the counter before at the airport and flight delay and everybody else is being mean. You know, what they don't understand, first of all, is don't be mean to the one who can give you a ticket. Okay? You know, but don't, don't get into the whole gang of it, you know, and just, God, what do you want me to do? How can I use touch maybe with them? Uh, Alicia has a lifelong friend, and therefore she's, she's my friend too. And she lives a whole other part of the state and recently had some tough stuff going on. And I asked Alicia the other day, should we help her? And she said, yeah, we probably should. And then today, being the third day in a row, I've had the Lord prompt me, send her something. Well, we can't do that. We got this, I got kids getting ready to call. Guess what? It's not mine. 
It's not mine. It's, it's his. What do, you, what do you want done with this? And guess what? If he has me move something, he's able to supply for. And, and it takes the fear out of it. So, so we're going to do that. About, about two weeks ago, um, Alicia and Greta had gone on a little trip. So just Gabriel and I are home, and he's 13, almost 14. We said, we're going to have man night. So we're watching a cop's marathon. I said, what do you want to eat, buddy? He said, pizza. Because that's the way guys talk. So I said, sounds good. He said, I'm going to order it online. I said, do it. Because we're guys, okay? So he orders online. And I said, when do we get our pizza? He said, 20 to 30 minutes. Good. So then we're watching. Bad boy, bad boy. So we're watching. We're watching. 20 minutes go by, 30 minutes go by, 40 minutes go by, 50 minutes go by. It's like, come on. I said, are you sure you press send? I mean, what's the deal on this, you know? So we wait. After an hour, I call them. I'm not real happy. I'm real hungry. I mean, even though those are sometimes connected. So I call, and and I won't tell you the company because they were just having a bad day that day. And... So I called, hey, uh, my son orders online, so I just want to make sure you got your computer turned on. (laughs) I didn't say that. I thought it. And so that, well, I don't know. We'll call the driver. Should be, you know, blah, blah, blah. So another 10 minutes go by, and the driver calls. I can't find your house. So I helped him out a little bit. And so now it's like, don't even bring the pizza because... I just ate Gabriel. (laughs) Hang on. So an hour and 24 minutes, our pizza comes. So I'm like, so doorbell rings. I mean, a doorbell always sounds happy. (laughs) Ain't nobody happy here. Open the door. I'm just trying to be nice, cordial, professional. I'm sorry, sir, blah, blah, blah. And he went some long story about this and that and the aliens and zombies. And, the, you know, and here's your pizza. And because it's online, you pay, pay with a credit card. So, I, so he hands me a thing. He goes, here's, here's the, the thing you can total it out. Total it out. <laughs> Tip. <laughs> now, part of me is like, This guy and the company needs punished. I should be saying, don't I get something free? Now, hold on a minute. And so I lean over and I'm doing it. And I'm telling you, as clear as I heard anything all day, I heard the owner tell me, tip him good. Guess what? It's the owner. The owner told me. So I tipped him good. And I hand it to him. He's like, thanks, sir. Thank you for being kind. And, you know, and then he leaves. And I closed the door and I took about three steps. And by then, he, I guess he looked. And through my closed door here, oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> now, hold on. It really has nothing to do with me. It just has to do with understanding stewardship and the owner. Amen. Where I had other plans about what would bring justice and warm pizza. <laughs> 
the owner has a bigger picture of everything and somehow wanted something to happen a little different than I did. And you know what? It doesn't hurt you at all. You know what I actually felt? I felt bad that I didn't from the beginning have joyful generosity. But I learned a big lesson on that night. And for everything, for everything, I want to have a willing mind toward the owner that I'm just a steward. It's all yours. And whatever you want to do with it, my time, my talent, my treasure, my touch, anything else, what you want to do with it, if you'll just show me, I'll do it. And I can live without fear because if the owner tells me to do something with what he's entrusted me with, whatever I need it for anything else, he'll make sure to entrust me with it. But if he can't trust you with little, he's not going to trust you with anything more. There's a life that we're called to live that is joyfully generous, and it's a condition in our soul. And my prayer for all of us is that we'll have a generous soul, a willing mind, live joyfully generous. And part of it starts with understanding, I'm just a steward. He's the owner. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.